Hi everybody, Sean here. Thank you all for listening to What the Bleep Are You Playing. We appreciate you all so much. This episode, we have been trying some new microphones out, uh, and there were a few issues with some of the sound not getting picked up as we had some issues. So, uh, some of it might be a little quieter, uh, and some of the sound maybe even drops out here for a second or two. Uh, Did our best to edit around it, uh, and I still think the main points of our podcast still stick in, but, you know, sometimes you live with what happens. So, thank you all for listening to this season. Uh, It has been a great pleasure to be able to do this, and uh, I look forward to doing it more. So, thank you very much. Enjoy. What the f*** are you playing? Hello, and welcome to What the Bleep Are You Playing? A podcast where we play a game, many times bad, and tell you why the bleep we played it. I'm Prince Sean. This is the Sands of Thomas and Mason of Persia, which is in the same way as Jake Gyllenhaal is of Persia. And we played... Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> this, this will be an interesting episode. This is, this is going to be very interesting. Because the thing that I figured out kind of as we've started doing this is I can gauge by the conversation before we start how interesting the, or at least how on topic we're going to be. Because before, like before we started this, we pretty much talked about only Prince of Persia. Before we even started hitting record. And that's how I could tell, like, Ooh, this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. Uh, so, uh, at the beginning of when we, we, we made a list of uh, what games we were going to play on this podcast. Uh, and uh, we, we went, each person picking a game, one by one. Um, and when we got to the end, the last couple, Thomas was wanting to play Street Fighter X Tekkener. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. Was wanting to play Tekken Cross Street Fighter doesn't exist. Yeah, I, I had to remember which one didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> one. We day. only played it a few weeks back, but uh, one of these days. And and Mason, while Crash Bandicoot wasn't, you know, like oh my goodness, an amazing game. It was an amazing franchise. So mm-hmm. we kind of wanted to end uh, our first season on a high note. And so I decided to break from my uh, top five all-time list and bring my number three game of all time and make everybody play. Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. That's right. This was your number three. I remember that now. It's it, it it's one of my all-time favorite games. Um, and so I have probably the most attachment to this game and this franchise. Uh, Mason, this was your first playthrough, right? Very first playthrough. I had never, I never even touched a Pr- Prince of Persia game ever before this. And Thomas, had you uh had any uh? Oh, previous... I've, I've I've had plenty of Prince of Persia experience. I've never finished any of the games. I got close with several of them, but I never finished any of them. This is the first time I have finished Sand. I played it a shit ton. This is the first time I have finished it. Yeah, uh, and so uh, I, I think I hold in high esteem. Now this game is we'll, we'll get to like the reception and everything. This game is incredibly well reviewed. Its lowest review in any of the major publications was a 9.3. Wow, really? <laughs> 
in the major publications. Wow. It had some other ones out there because it's like high 80s and over yeah. uh, Metacritic, so you know it's when it compiles everything. But yeah, like in 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 the things that gave awards and big things, it was it was nines out of tens or like 4.5 out of five. And and you like and you brought this up earlier that like 2000 like this was 2003 when this game came out. Which side comment was the year I was born, by the way. <laughs> so, hey. <laughs> You're young. <laughs> I'm old. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, we were talking about this earlier that 2003 was a stacked year. It was a very stacked it year. Was. For and for like a uh, a game in in this for a game like this, which is like the like the Prince of Persia has was a thing before this, but this was sort mm-hmm. of like the beginning of the Prince of Persia games as we would begin to know mm-hmm. them now. For that to be like one of the highest uh, in regards to games from that year is pretty impressive. Sands of Time. Thomas talking about fighting games again. Ha! <laughs> uh, Sands of Time is the Street Fighter Two of the Prince of Persia series. It's not the first game, but it might as well. Mm-hmm. I can't. Even so, it's the rebooted version of it. Right. You know, obviously, Prince of Persia was an IP and it existed on the Apple II uh, and. One, uh, other Apple products afterwards for a little while, right? Uh, but this was, you know, it had been dormant quite a while. So this was, uh, there was Ubisoft buying the license, taking a while trying to develop the license, bringing the creator of Prince of Persia on to kind of rework some of the uh, things. And so in '03, when this dropped, there's a lot of people that were like, "Oh, it's an existing license; it's a big thing." Considering that some of the other big games that year. Grand Theft Auto Vice City, uh, Soul Calibur 2, Knights of the Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic, Virtual Fighter 4. So like a lot of these are known IPs as well on it. It's just that this is um probably the smallest IP of that group. Yeah. yeah. Of yeah. The last Prince of Persia game before this, I want to say was 96 mm-hmm. with Prince of Persia 3. Yeah. Which I haven't played, but I've heard it's not no, <laughs> Prince of Persia Two, I think, was the last good one of the the originals. Before Sands, before yeah, before Sands of Time, because they were just basically more or less their pitfall. They are very similar to Pitfall. Yeah, that's very what I was similar. thinking. There, it, you you move and you jump. The thing that made it different was the originals was that it had more like when you jumped, you could fall off the cliff a bit, and you'd have to pull yourself up. There mm-hmm, were different mm-hmm. animations of the way it, it, they did a lot of choreography with the game, and that was something that they brought again back to this game. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the original, it was all rotoscoped. In mm-hmm. this game, it was all motion. Mm-hmm. That makes um, sense. That yeah. makes sense. So, so this game ha- had a real special place in my heart, and I hold a lot of games in my heart that I beat from my childhood, because there was a while where I wasn't, you know, either because of time or I was not wanting to really go through games. I didn't beat some of the games that I, you know, I, I held fun with. This was a game that I did sit down and entirely beat so uh and no matter how many frustrating moments there were in the last 15 10 to 15 percent and there are a lot <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the yeah. biggest di- big difference between uh sean and i sean's first first game that he completed was sands of time mine Not was first but it was oh, one, one of, of one of the first he completed was sands of time mine was ben 10 protector of earth we are not the same <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, so I always hold those a little bit higher, but I think the thing, and we'll get into this, especially Wait. as we get in the end, stories are what stick with me, mm. unless, even, even stories stick with me, because my favorite Mario is Yoshi's Island, and that's 
partly because the story is so interesting. Yeah. So I beat that game. So, again, holding a place in my heart is games I beat. But I mean, calling a Mario game story special is like pointing out a stick on the ground and being like, that stick is more special. Well, this stick was like it was green. <laughs> See? It's it's special. It's special. <laughs> you ride the Yoshi. This stick is on a Yoshi. So, so I have a, a real special place in my heart for this game, uh, and so that's why I picked it. Uh, but without further ado, there's a little information on Prince of Persia from the internet. Oh, because um, we know the internet never lies. That's true. <laughs> uh, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, is a 2003 action-adventure video game developed by Ubisoft uh, and published by Ubisoft. Oh, so developed by Ubisoft Montreal. Yeah, it's Canadian. Uh, a. And uh, once once again, same year I was born. Just want to remind everyone so that you can uh, all feel Mason old again. Was two months old uh, when it came out. And uh, was a it was released on the Game Boy Advance, the PlayStation 2, the GameCube, the Xbox, and the Windows, Microsoft Windows. Uh, the ga- PlayStation 2, Game Boy, and Xbox are the ones that have the unbelievable reviews. The worst reviews are on the Windows. Well, not the worst reviews, but lower reviews are on Windows, but still good. And the Game Boy Advance, while not bad reviews, are more mid-70s because, of course it is, because ports of games on the Game Boy Advance uh, that relied on graphics you know, weren't as good. I was gonna say, say like, it would have, like, the idea of Sands of Time on the Game Boy, Advance, uh, bleh, Game Boy Advance, it would have to be severely gimped. It would mm. have to be severely I mean, gimped. I haven't played it, but I have to imagine it similar to the originals, maybe? Yeah, I think a little bit. Alien, probably do, it's not Assassin's Creed on the, the DS or Game Boy <laughs> Advance. Those are much worse, but... Oh, I forgot about those. Uh, yeah, so it had those released. They did, too. It's, uh, it's not like uh, Arkham Blackgate. <laughs> no. Remember uh, that? No, you don't, you liar. <laughs> the game follows an unnamed prince whose father sacks an ancient city at the instigation of a traitorous visor. This means taking the, over. Vizier. I can yeah, vizier. Sack, Sorry, sacking I'm meaning taking over, by things. the way. I don't want anyone else to get that twisted. Basically, this Aladdin-looking motherfucker is our <laughs> hero. Yes, it is. It is very, but also something's interesting about it is it takes kind of the characters you would think from Aladdin and kind of puts them a little bit in different positions. That the leader is not really a good person. The vizier's still bad, but the princess is actually now a prince, and the uh, 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 the street rat is the, the woman. Oh, I mean she's a princess, I, I was but gonna say she's not really a street. But <laughs> if you put it in those roles, that's kind of what it would be. Um, during the attack, the prince obtains an artifact called the Dagger of Time, while his father's army captures an hourglass containing the mysterious Sands of Time. Visiting the palace of the Sultan and Azad to present the sands as a gift, the vizier tricks the prince into releasing the sands, transforming the people of Azad into savage monsters under his control. Together with Farah, a young princess who knows the power of the sands, the prince works to correct his mistakes and foil the vizier's evil plans. Why is it always the vizier? Because viziers are just evil. Why are, does, why, does is vizier, that like is that like part of the screening process for royal viziers? You're like, all right, um, have you done anything evil lately? You have, all right, you got the job. It's it's Starscream syndrome. They're second in command, but not the prince or whatever. So it's they like, want power. oh yeah, they want power. It's like in White House Down when the vice president turns out to be the bad guy. That's yeah. a vice president's a bad guy in White House Down. I've never seen White House Down. It's the vice president's a bad guy. 
Sorry to spoil this 2013 movie that no one fucking saw because everyone went and saw Olympus has fallen. I was gonna say were there because there were two movies about the White House being attacked at the same goddamn time, and everyone went and saw Olympus has fallen, not White House down. Concept work began in spring of 2001 after Ubisoft acquired the Prince of Persia catalog. Uh, Jordan Mechner, the creator, was brought on. The creator of the original was brought on production beginning in June of that year. After the initial story draft was scrapped, as it was too complex, the team began with four guiding concepts, including the ability to rewind time, uh, which grew into the daggers of time. Uh, Mechner script drew inspiration from the, this is going to be a very non-white word, John uh, <laughs> May, with the main focus on creating a simple narrative that worked with the pace of gameplay. The game used Ubisoft's Jade engine, which was originally designed for Beyond Good and Evil, mm. which was another game published by the company. Production was troubled with the team facing problems with the engine structure and delays of the environment assets, while also managing to create an effective tester network to seek out the game's bugs. In 2004, a version for mobile phones was also developed and published in North America by GameLoft. Oh, yikes. Oh, that sounds awful. That a sounds... mobile phone version of Sands of Time Into made for that... 2004 phones by game. game loft. Yeah. Um, Ugh. So you can you can see um, kind of like what we talked about with Wrath uh, uh, of Cortex that sometimes studios get in the way and development studios have a lot of hell. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they make Wrath of Cortex when doing that. And sometimes they make Prince of Persia. Sometimes they make Prince of Persia. Really is a coin toss, isn't it? It's, it's one or the other. It's never in between. But yeah, this they, they had troubles. They 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 scrapped ideas uh, and they reworked back to a very simplistic plot with just basically puzzles, acrobat, and time travel. And you know what? Later ga- games would try to be a lot more complex. And what makes the game is its simplicity in everything. Not to say it's a simple game. No, it is a challenging game in a lot of parts. Oh. Uh, 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 uh. But we'll get is, we'll get to that. But, we but it is absolutely a simple idea. It's, there's there's not a lot of uh, excess in it. There's not a lot of loose hanging extra plot threads. It's a very simple idea. And, and it, the thing that makes the story in a lot of ways for me is that at its bare bones, it's a it's a horror game. It is absolutely a horror game. Yeah. You are trapped in a castle where everyone is turned into a monster. You are trying to survive. When you when you put it like that, it does kind of sound Resident Evilly. Mm-hmm. It also doesn't help that at several points the prince is like, I've had to fucking kill everyone I know and love. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not in the best mood. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, the, one of the bosses is your own father. I think uh, that's the first boss. I think that is the first boss. It's either the first or second. It's one of the very early bosses, but yeah. And, you know, watching people be turned basically into not even quite zombies, just like monsters, mm-hmm. but no response. And then having to kill them as he's going through this. It, it's, and they, like, don't come back. Well, so we'll get to the ending here. We'll get to the ending already, or we're just talking about the story right do we, now. We, do we want to get to the ending already? we can hold that off. We can hold that off. No, we can bounce around. It's no problem. So, to answer your question, the prince puts everything back to right in the end. Because, sorry, I'm just kind of stealing Jean Thunder because he's the one who's really passionate about this story. At the end of the game, Bara, uh, the prince's love interest, they have fallen in love. As so, you do. There's still a lot left in the game. She dies. Jesus. She sacrifices herself so that the prince can uh, get the dagger. 
Mm-hmm. And so the prince properly pissed the fuck off. Because uh, earlier on in the game, she wanted him to stab the dagger into the hourglass, but he didn't want to because he didn't trust her. Mm-hmm. But now he's lost everything. He has lost family. He has lost the love of his life. Everything is just collapsed around him. And he has nothing left. So he's like, well, fuck it. And he stabs the hour. Full send. And that takes everything back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Wow. So basically erases everything that happened. So it's one of those that is, you, you, if done poorly, you'd be like, well, what was the point? Right. Uh, but the game very much focuses on the growth of the prince and how he be- goes from a spoiled brat to an actual hero uh, in the end. And so that's where it's like, yeah, this is big because the beginning prince wouldn't do this. It it, it 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 does kind of remind me of the uh, the ending of uh, Days of Future Past, the movie. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot about that, where, like, yeah, everything gets reset back to normal-ish, but, you know, it's something is still gained. The people who went through it did, or specifically the prince and this, uh, who went through it, had to grow to be able right. to get through it. it, uh, is, it is it's fair. very much, it's not about the journey, or it's not about the result, it's, it's about, about the journey. It's about the journey, yeah. Uh, so... And it also helps that the prince gets the raw end of the deal at the end. Because mm-hmm. he's the only one who remembers it. That means Farah, the love of his life, doesn't know who the hell he is. Mm-hmm. Oh, so oh, it's like it's like um it's like the end of Infinity War with with Gamora and Starling. Or, or, or sorry, Spider-Man. Endgame. Sorry, Endgame. I meant Endgame. I was to say the end of Spider Man No Way Home. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's just- Let's just spoil every ending of everything. That's the <laughs> podcast now. We're going to have to slap a massive spoiler warning. Not even for the game, but for just... But for everything. Every... Hey, by the way, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Uh, Rosebud's the sled. <laughs> um, uh, what else can we... Oh, uh, Bruce Willis Dumbledore. is dead. <laughs> Snape kills Dumbledore. Uh... Wait, Snape kills Dumbledore? I'm kidding. <laughs> well, that's a section. <laughs> But, but it, sorry, it does lead to probably my favorite bit of the entire story. Non-comedic bit, I will admit. Not probably my favorite bit in general. Where the prince kisses Farah, but because it's, because uh, he tells her the whole story, and she's like, you must think I'm an idiot, because I don't believe it. He goes to kiss her, she smacks him, she's like, what the hell are you doing? Because again, she doesn't remember. So the prince uses the last bit of the dagger to reverse time, and then before he kisses her, yeah, it was just a silly story. And he just gives her the dagger. Yep. Wow. Like, yep. Again, the prince gets his heart emotionally dick kicked in this story. Yeah, yeesh. I, and that's the thing through a lot of this. This game really is a story-driven game, and the story is, is, is the central plot. And I think that's probably why I... I hold. A, uh, I really care about this game is because I am more about the story in my games than a lot of other things. Uh, and this is where it's very different in our, uh, any of the games we've covered on this podcast because I don't think we've really spent much time on any of the stories on any of the games at this point. I, oh, what do you mean? I was pretty invested in Beatdown Fist of Vengeance. <laughs> I think the most we found the story was Larry Boy in the Back. <laughs> that or uh, uh, Ben 10. Probably, and that was because we were more obsessed with the shit surrounding it yeah. than the actual like, <laughs> narrative. So this is definitely a little bit of a different thing, but uh, the story is what invested me in. But 
that's not to say that the gameplay is bad or to say that it's not a game that has really strong gameplay. It has challenging gameplay, which, hey, let's get into that. Uh, uh, but, uh, 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 but it uh, is... Before we do, uh, Oh, go ahead. One last bit of the story I absolutely adore. It's actually one last. Because mm-hmm. the Farah... Because you might wonder, well, why is the prince nameless? Why is he just the prince? Because it leads to this great moment. Uh, Farah is, is the princess, and she said, I forget what the actual word is, like commandant or something like that. Because she said, when I when I was a little girl, my mother told me, whenever I was in trouble, say the word commandant, and a door will appear that I can walk into to uh, be free. And the prince is like, that's stupid. And she's like, well, it works, bitch. <laughs> and they kind of argue about it because lovers quarrel. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the end of the game, mm-hmm. she's like, again, after he goes, you're right, it was just a story, hands her the dagger. He's about to leave, and she goes, wait, I didn't even know your name. And he goes, call me Commandant. And he leaves. Wow. And I'm just like, god damn, that is some good writing. Wow. Like, that is some good-ass writing. It's very <laughs> well written. And it's a very good structure of a story. So, uh, but it, the story is also played through with the gameplay. Uh, as a, a, a with the game, they did a lot of story points are happening while you're playing. You're running across walls. The prince may be talking to Pharaoh, uh, you know, or things that they did a lot of stuff. Now, this is one of my complaints in the year 2023 about um, that subtitles, please. Oh yeah, yeah there are, there are no subtitles in this game and. I missed a lot of mm-hmm. dialogue. Yeah, this and, game really hates deaf people, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and really funny dialogue, too. Like, mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite funny bits is Farah is skinny enough that she can go through these cracks in the wall. And the prince is nice, obviously. Because Farah is not a warrior. She's a princess. She's a diplomat. So kind of throughout the whole game, she's learning how to fight. Whereas the prince is a great combatant. He's the best combatant there is, but he's also a bit of a shithead. Mm-hmm. So, and, um, but she can fit through these cracks. And she's like, there's a crack in the wall. I'll go through it. And the prince is like, wait, wait, wait. Let's just see how the hallway is. Maybe you won't have to. He looks down the hallway, traps lined to the wall, like swing pendulums, spinning spikes, whatever. And he's like, all right, you can go through the crack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great dialogue honestly okay. again this, this game is really well written very well, written. Game. Very well written. it's very well written but they they did a lot of story points while the game was going on but also the the action and the combat is a story point the go, you know traversing traversing you know gaps climbing walls running around things and reversing time and doing it is all integral to the story uh, that they're telling so when you uh, so much so that like when you die uh, because the prince is telling the story from the beginning and he's telling it to Farah in the beginning he'll be like no no, no that's not how it went <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny oh uh, like it's all integral to the story which is where when they built it down to simplicity it's all there you know you, you learn moves as the story goes on you know you're solving puzzles so there's there's normal platformy stuff I li- but I like to think that uh when you die repeatedly in one place, the prince just keeps going, and then I died. Wait, no, that's not how it went. And then I died. No, wait, that's not how it went. Well, and then I died. It's where they a lot of it, because they're trying to tell the story on it, it's why the reversing time is really cool, especially from a puzzle-solving 
idea is like you can actually trial and error things without worrying about dying at times. It it it, it is a bit of a gimmick, but it's a gimmick that really works. Mm-hmm. Modern games that have such a big problem. Modern gaming has such a big problem. What just rating. one problem? <laughs> one of many. Let's say that. <laughs> It has such a big problem with integrating story to mm-hmm. gameplay because nowadays it's unskippable. Game, it's it's cut either scenes. it's either unskippable cutscenes or shit where you just have to walk for like five minutes while people minutes. talk, and that's never fun. Stop fucking doing it. You're not going to stop it. <laughs> this is how you do it. The dialogue mm-hmm. going on is important, but you're still uh, you're still doing puzzles. You're still platforming. You're mm-hmm. Still doing, and I think mm-hmm. that's what makes this game such a good experience. Yeah, and um, there, there are some gameplay things uh, that, you know, we can definitely hit on that are there are problems. Uh, you know, the camera. Um, oh, jeez. It's not, it's not an awful camera, but it is definitely a early 2000s platform, platform camera. camera. Uh, yeah, and they actually do start fixing the camera in the sequels a bit, and oh, you actually see the camera that they fully get to when you play Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Because they do play off of this same stuff that they built into these uh, uh, Prince of Persia games into the Assassin's Creed game, and they're very, very similar. While the combat is different, a lot of the mechanics are very similar to the games. And so, it took them a while to finally kind of figure out as cameras were being developed. And this camera, while can be really good for some cinematic moments, uh, especially like you're running along the side of the walls, and it'll change to the perspective of you're watching there. You're running up, you know you'll see the camera change so you can watch yourself doing these tricks can sometimes be disorientating. Uh, yeah, and frustrating and it moves sometimes too much and you're, while you do have some control over the camera it isn't enough to really make you feel like you're actually in control of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's specifically this puzzle there's specifically this puzzle near the end of the game where it's I hate these puzzles in any game. This is not a complaint about Prince of Persia specifically mm-hmm. any game. There's puzzles where you have to go into one door, then go into another, but there's like eight doors, mm-hmm. and it's basically random. I mean, there is a specific one, but it's the pain in the ass to decipher because there's no dis- discernment. They don't really, uh, uh, they never hold your hand in this game. Aside from like little telling you what buttons to hit at the beginning, yeah. they very rarely hold your hand. They're like, yeah, here's a room, go figure out what That's, you need to do. And, and every time I would get teleported back to the beginning because you go into the wrong door, you get teleported back, I would walk in. And because the camera would change, the prince would be like, "Oh, I forgot my keys," and walk out. And I'm like, "Son of a bitch, prince! You're not. You don't have keys. This is ancient Persia." It, it, it really this it, this really all goes down for me to my basic point with this game is that it's it's a really great game that I am bad at because I I feel like I feel like gamers that that grew up during the 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 like either the N64 PS1 era or like the PS2 early Xbox era were just built different. Yeah. Because for me, it is vi- it is very difficult for me to play anything pre PS3 360 Wii era. It's just it's just so much. It's so different mm-hmm. to go even that. It's not even like that far back. Like the P- the PS2 era, the PS2 it, Xbox era isn't wasn't that long this ago. This game will turn twenty years old in a month and a half. Well, I mean, yeah, but twenty twenty Thanks years for that. <laughs> twenty twenty years still isn't really that. Long no, in, the, in the in the long run, so but the the but the diff the jump in mm-hmm. the like the change in difficulty from like PS one to PS two to PS three era 
is just wild. Yeah, I think PS1 era is getting kicked in the balls with a steel toed boot. PS2 is just getting kicked in the balls. PS3 is actually getting picked up. And, yeah, and, yeah. And that can come when we get to our important questions a bit on this, uh, because some of it is just how it aged and mm-hmm. what you are used to when playing that sort of game back in that day. If you, you know, if you're used to playing platform games, there were a lot of games that had these sort of exact same problems. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm used to this. But you're not necessarily used to those things or these these level of, uh, the not necessarily level of difficulty because obviously there are hard games now, but that were that type of difficulty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I will say, like, this also, this is my kind of game because I love, love this kind of fight. Mm-hmm. I love this acrobatic wall running, swinging around on poles. I love this kind of stuff. And Prince of Persia is a masterpiece. And the thing that was really cool is they did do a lot of mocap work with actual gymnasts and acrobats to do a lot of the stunts and make them look as real as possible as you could. Especially at the time, it does feel very. And uh, you know, Wait. while some of the like facial stuff and things like that graphics or haven't aged amazingly, uh, and definitely when they're trying to do any dialogue, oof. Mm-hmm. But the actual gameplay graphics are really good still, and they held up really well. Mm-hmm. I, I I will say, the the facial animations aren't fantastic, but they get the job. Like again, the scene where Farrah dies, the prince's facial expressions are really good. I will also say it is cool that they mocap. However, <laughs> uh, the mocap does lead to probably my biggest problem with this game, and that's the combat. I I'm ready to fight. Oh boy! I, In this corner, get ready for a what the bleep smackdown here. Because I'm just gonna say right now, this might be my favorite non RPG combat ever. Oh, and I'm going boy. to say what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> thomas your rebuttal i just i just don't think it's that great it's not terrible like i appreciate what it's trying to do. i appreciate that it's trying to be very acrobatic i appreciate that it's trying to be very uh, going to the prince's sensibilities it wouldn't make sense for the prince to be you know taking 17 sword slices to the chest and then just rubbing it off no uh, it makes sense that he's very acrobatic. However, <laughs> my problem is actually this may seem like a nitpick, but it really did affect my hmm. At a certain point in the game, every combat encounter goes to two. That is, that is actually a fair. I, I will not really disagree 100% on that. They, they with I think this probably can be attributed to some of the production problems that they had and some of the time constraints. The, at about 60% of the game, the villains don't really change. They just kind of get more armor. Or they, you know, they get harder to kill. They block a little bit more. Mm. You know, they just, they, 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 they kind of ran out of villain, bad guy variations and just were like, well, this one now, you know, y- you can't jump over this one. Or, well, y- y- you can't, y- y- this one blocks more. You right, know, a- instead right. of like, a- like upping the combat, uh, at times. Now, saying that, I love this combat because of kind of the exact reason that Thomas hates it. Wow. <laughs> the acrobats, wow. acrobatic nature is it allows for so much fluidity and allows me to really improvise and I never, unlike in a lot of games, and, and, and this, may, this may just go down to 
the difference between Thomas and I in, in game playing and how we play games a little bit, you know, and maybe this kind of goes to Thomas's uh, fighting game background a little bit, uh, you know, because I don't like to block. Uh... So when they change this combat in Assassin's Creed to block and counter, mm. I'm not as good at that. Right. <laughs> but you know what I am good at? Jumping over a dude and slicing him in the back. Jumping off of a wall and stabbing a person. Using my sand, my, my sand dagger to freeze a person, kill this person, come around flipping up and killing a person. Right, right. I'm actually good at this combat because it feels very fluid and natural to me because I don't block. I, do, I did really like kind of how fluid and acrobat it was. It did it it kind of reminded me a bit of uh the Arkham the Batman Arkham games and the way that they do do combat. Mm-hmm. And the, the really the only issue that I had with the combat is that I wish it did do the thing that uh that the Arkham games did where you can where you go where you with like a push of a button you go seamlessly from like one enemy to another. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this which... one you do kind of have to aim which direction you're fighting. Most does lead to something that I have harped on in many games so far. Oh, here it is. Where's the Say the words. Lock on? Say it. Say you it, Sean. Need Say it. To have lock on. There it is. Like, it, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's not as bad in this game. It's not as, as bad in this is. game, but yeah. absolutely, especially when you get flying enemies in, and ex- or enemies that are in just corners that you don't realize that you need to, and things like that. Just being able to hit a button and lock on is so helpful. And I think, I think that's the one thing that could have actually made some of the combat even more fluid. I think they just wanted like kind of like this free feeling. But if you could lock on, I think the combat would have been. I would go from not my favorite to I think this combat is perfect. That's fair. That's fair. Uh huh. Me- meanwhile, for me, again, this combat is not bad, but I think the sequels actually do at least the first. Mm-hmm. Warrior Within, in my opinion, is a lot better combat because it does the fluidity thing, but it does it in a better way. Because Warrior Within also has a better camera, and that yeah. helps a lot actually in the combat. Uh, there are a lot of flaws with Warrior Within, a lot of flaws, but it actually does fix camera, and I do like the combat quite a bit in Warrior Within. So I don't disagree, Thomas necessarily. But, I think I probably would prefer to play Santa Times combat. I'm more used to. But I do really like Warrior Within's combat. I, I mean, if we're talking game, just mm-hmm. the entire game, yeah, Santa Times game, Warrior day in and day out. But in terms of just sheer combat, I think Warrior Within does beat it. We might have to do an episode of Warrior I think it really <laughs> will because it's, it's it, where when we get to here in a little bit to, about to talk about the reception, we'll talk about all this and how this game was received and how Ubisoft was like, hmm. Well, this game was not received particularly well in terms of sales. What can we do to make the sales? I know we need to make this like Shadow the Hedgehog. Uh. Dude, it's it's genuinely it is genuinely like Prince of the Hedgehog. Like that is Prince. what it is. The intro Prince. might as well have. Can you see all of me walk into my mystery? Prince, Prince of Persia unleashed. Or you know. <laughs> It is legitimately surprising they just didn't hand uh, the prince a machine gun in Warrior Within. Okay, look. The prince does get a lot of changes in this game. He does. And at the end of the game, he is a very different person. I cannot, for the life of me, see him being the person who in Warrior Within gets a cut on his eye and goes, You bitch! Yeah. Like, 
Wow. That is not the prince. Their answer was, what if we made it an M-rated game and we added rock music and uh, now instead of sand, we make it blood. Is there there a scene in the opening cutscene where you see the the princess like kneeling over and falling over, becoming weak as you see the prince standing over her like in the Shadow the Hedgehog opener? Uh, (laughs) No, but you do get a very gratuitous shot of a woman pirate's ass. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh, they, they, they... Overcorrect, correct uh, in terms of maturity, <laughs> very much. Yeah, the, the warrior. I know we should probably get back to talking about the sand this time. But, <laughs> but, but Warrior Within is like, it is the most 2000s game that's ever been designed. Like, wow. Genuinely, imagine if Shadow the Hedgehog just had Rouge the Bat as Kimpy as outfit. That's what uh, Warrior was. Well, in a, in a lot of ways, this actually does apply to I mean, Sansa Time. Simply was Sansa Time is kind of a style of game. For a way game stories are told, the way things are of, uh, 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 of the past in a lot of ways. You know, an older style of game that we we just hadn't seen as much. You know, obviously graphics were you know great for the time. Uh, everything you know, combat and all of the stuff were new. But like the way they told the story, the way they did things, very much feels like an old time arcade type game that you would sit down and play. Um, and so. When the reception isn't there, what do you do? The exact opposite. You go, oh, let's find everything that makes the what do what do the mainstream kids like? Yeah, and how do you do, fellow kids? And remember when we said that this game is good because of its simplicity, and not simplistic as in bad, simple as in just it's very basic to understand. Mm-hmm. The second game opens up with the prince talking to like this wizard dude. He's like, I reversed the sands of time. So what's going on? Oh, a living time paradox is trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this basically sounds like a Prince of Persia game if it was written and directed by Michael Bay. It's closer <laughs> to that than you might actually realize. <laughs> okay, yeah, because like I said, not only is it the gratuitous woman ass shot, but the first time you drink water, because to heal in this game, you drink water. Mm-hmm. Which, which is a really cool. It's like it's a really cool, interesting because there's a lot of places with water in the game yeah. that you know, and it, it's like, oh yeah, that's actually a really cool mechanic to heal. It's like, yeah, if you're tired from all the things, you know what might help you a lot? Water. Water. Yeah. You, even though part of me finds it a pain in the ass, but part of me does get why they do it, where you have to hold the button to just keep drinking to get the full health. Mm-hmm. And for me, because I'm great at the combat in this game. I do have to, like, just hold the button for, like, five seconds, and the prince is just lining me up like a dog. <laughs> but, again, Warrior Within, sorry, just genuinely, that game has a rent-free spot in my head for some reason, like every edgy 2000 game. <laughs> uh, the first time you take a drink of water, this just, again, first time you take a drink of water, and Prince of Persia is like, dang, 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 dang. It's a very, very uh, Arabic very, music. Yeah, right, very right. Arabic, very Persian. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, in this, in Warrior Within, it starts that and then immediately goes to this hard-ass, like, 2005 metalish shit song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the game is, the game has so much, you know, like, rock and punk and metal in it. And, it is so fun. And I mean, like, do not get me wrong. Did I lose my shit? Yes. <laughs> but... So, since we've talked a little bit about Warrior Within here, let's, uh, let's talk about the reception that led to why they did Warrior Within. Yeah. So, so why they overcorrected. By the end of 2003, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, had reached 2 million copies. So, it had it had sold a good amount. Uh, some of that, though, uh, felt 
Its combined sales since release at that time totaled 272,000 for the PS2, 172,000 for the Xbox, and 100,000 for the GameCube. Uh, in the uh, first, what is that? By December, so uh, it sold a bunch. Uh, it was speculated that its sales were negatively affected by the concurrent release of Beyond Good and Evil from the same studio. Oh wow! Also, great reviews. Not um, does not equal great sales. Yeah, and it actually sold worse than this game. Wow! <laughs> Beyond, Beyond, Beyond Good and Evil. In response to this, Ubisoft offered copies of their other games free with purchases of Sands of Time. Oh, shit. That game was Splinter Cell. Wow. They're like, hey, uh, we know this game is really popular. Please buy our Game of the Year game, uh, and you get a free Splinter Cell with it. And, and to be fair, Splinter Cell's good, but also, like, if I'm buying Prince of Persia, you know That's what else what I buy. don't want? <laughs> if, oh, boy, I love this story about this epic medieval... Not like this epic fantasy journey of the prince's development. What else do I want? Oh, the spy story about stopping World War Three. The modern it, spy story about stopping World such, War III. And then, and then they released, re, kept re-releasing and repackaging Prince of Persia with new Game of the Year editions and different things and just say, like, wow. not even maybe that different. It was just different packaging. And they, eventually it did boost the sales. It got them up enough. I think I, think I saw, let me see if it's on here if it's not i saw somewhere you know what i you know what i think of when i think game of the year edition i think of that one uh the uh that one uh packaging for i think it was arkham city game of the year edition where it just had all the quotes in red mm-hmm. covering the package that's like that. ugly <laughs> um, I, I i did have that version of the game i that's like funny. that cover no, it's oh really it's bad awful cover. it's I, awful it you know what? The Prince of Persia repackaging did work, though, because I remember I think we had two copies. I think we had uh, I think we had the original, and then or maybe it was our neighbor, because we hung out with our neighbors a lot. Our neighbors might have had the Game of the Year edition. I jumped wow. on the Game of the Year edition because uh, I'd watched a couple of review shows on G4. Uh, oh, X-Play's wow. review, and I was like, like, this game looks pretty cool. The original G4. Yeah, so like, when we're talking, you know... Rest in peace twice. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking, you know, I didn't jump on until Game of the Year edition. Now I did get it, you know, before the end of 2003. But, like, we're talking a game that I didn't even play till later on. And it was it's one of my favorites. So, like, it went over. I did not catch it at that time. Uh, it did get enough sales. It sold by 2006, I think they said. It was over, uh, it was over like, five or six million, million sales. So, like, it, it got to its point where it sold enough that they're like, okay, we can make a sequel. But because of these sales and all the things we had to do, you need to make the sequel appeal to the youth. <laughs> and guess what? Warrior Within sold worse. Did it really? Ouch. <laughs> wow. Well, part of that is because it was M-rated. It's M-rated, so they took out a bunch of the audience. It also did not get the good reviews, so they couldn't repackage it. So, oh, so guess what they, they would do with it? They would sell it with Sands of Time. Wow. <laughs> Wow! What a cop-out. <laughs> Warrior Within, and again, Warrior Within did eventually sell enough that they did complete the trilogy, Two Thrones, which mm. was a better-reviewed game. Now, talk about wonky combat. That's probably my least favorite combat of them, because they literally, it's Two Thrones because the prince is now merged with the Dark Prince. Who's, the, who's go, the living time paradox. Yeah, so they go. They, you can go back and forth between the two of them. And uh, the Dark Prince has kind of like a whip thing. Like, okay. and the combat's not as good in that game. But uh, a lighthearted character. 
dark alter ego we can turn into. <laughs> so, uh, because of the reception, <laughs> th- this franchise that legitimately was built here on simplicity and doing something, you know, kind of different, became kind of just the same of what there, and then it would eventually kind of spawn into the Assassin's Creed games. Also, fun fact, if you swap the first letters of wonky combat, you get conky wombat. Anyways, keep going. Yeah, Mason here uh, <laughs> The, uh, the original name for Crash Bandicoot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> conky wombat. He was originally going to be Willy Wombat. <laughs> Prince of... The, 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 the Two Thrones was not the last Prince of Persia game. I was no, I was about to ask that when you when you first brought it a couple of times. But well, that yeah. is the end of that trilogy. So when when when, when was the last Prince of Persia game? Two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Sheesh. So it's been it's, what thirteen it's years been since thirteen. Yikes. Because in two thousand eight they rebooted with with one just called Prince of Persia. I didn't like it. No. <laughs> Ouch. No. It tries to do things different, but it, it just didn't. And also, well. I don't like the art style. It's not like it's not bad animation. It's not bad. I just didn't really like the art style. Mm. Uh, they kind of it, it's not cartoony, but they definitely uh, they, more cartoonified uh, the prince's face. They kind of went cell shaded, but a not, little bit uh, not great cell shaded. Because mm-hmm. again, the cell shading is almost exclusively the prince's face. It's weird. Oh, especially because uh, his face is covered for most of the goddamn game. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was and, not a it was not a pretty game either. So and then in 2010. Kind of tie in with the movie, we got Prince of Persia: The Forgotten Sands, which erases Warrior Within and Two Thrones from the timeline, and is a direct sequel to Sands of Time. Wow. I have never played that game, so I don't know how it is. I only played a little bit of it, um, and so I don't have a whole lot of input on it. Uh, it is definitely better than the Prince of Persia game, uh, but from what I played, it's pretty comparable, comparable to Warrior Within and Two Thrones. In terms oh of wow! So it's not bad, but it's you know but no the new magic metal, so. of Sands of Time they never could recapture. And and to be fair, Sands of Time is kind of like yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and what you know, not to do a whole you know comment on Ubisoft as a whole on it. That's kind of Ubisoft as a whole. Is uh, they'll yeah. get some lightning and then they will milk it and they will milk it and they will milk it. And a lot of times the things they are milking is not. As good. It's <coughs> Battlefront. It's gone south. Uh, <coughs> Battlefront. <laughs> Battlefront wasn't Ubisoft. Battlefront was EA. Yeah. Oh, that was EA. Never okay. mind. Never mind. I mean, to be fair, that is valid. That is. That sick, would be a very different, different company. Different. The same. Same type uh, of things. Different. different sh- oh yeah. They. No wait. Was Was Ubisoft uh, Sims? Ubisoft did have the Sims. Uh, Sims. Was Ubisoft Sims? I thought that was EA least, too. Oh no. EA, EA was Sims Six. Yeah. They both have had it some, at least some of it. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, they definitely, they definitely. I, I, I do remember them bungling look, the Sims. This I, was a direct oh. shot. Me commenting there was a direct shot at Assassin's Creed. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They've Which met. They've really screwed over Assassin's Creed. Games that Creed. I don't think are bad, but you know what? If they had kind of the simplicity or just kind of the thought process of the sands of time of let's less is less is more, a lot of those games might be better. No, oh, what are you talking? More is more. We need to have our 300-hour-plus RPG starring Viking. We we need to we need to make five games at the same time. At least one of them will be good, right? So, not to just digress for a second into Assassin's Creed. Keep, I, keep in mind, sorry. I really love the Assassin's Creed franchise. Like, I do really like a lot of it. I played one through four. 
Uh, I haven't really played much of the newer ones because those are the ones I don't like because they took away the assassinations and made them numbers-based in RPGs. Mm -hmm. So you can go and assassinate someone, and if your numbers aren't big enough, you don't get the The kill. kill. (laughs) Which, okay, I get that it's RPG-based, you know, but also I just stabbed this motherfucker in the esophagus. Mm -hmm. They're dead. (laughs) It takes away from what you you slice it. Now, I know that, that I know multiple big Assassin's Creed fans who will hate me for saying that. Anyway. I, uh, hey, Sean, it... what's that red dot on your forehead? <laughs> oh, well, my time has come. <laughs> and now, the end is near. near. <laughs> if it means anything, the red dot's going to appear on my forehead any minute because I do it. <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Oh, shit, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mason, want to join in the fun? <laughs> Mason just just goes. Assassin's Creed is the greatest franchise in the I've, history of franchises. I've actually only the the only Assassin's Creed I played is a little bit of four, and yeah, I and I didn't even know it. So you've played the best one. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. One through four Assassin's Creed, I have problems with them, but I really do enjoy all four of the games. My problem actually comes down a lot of times to the story of the games that the stories are overly complicated just for complicated sake. Mm. Oh, mm. speaking of which, sorry, go ahead. It just did remind me of a comparison between this game and Assassin's Creed Two. That just made me laugh. Sands of Time and Assassin's Creed 2. Both end with you beating the shit out of an old man. <laughs> that just makes me laugh for some reason. Because in, in this game, you fight the vizier. And to be fair, in this game, it makes more sense. Does he turn into a giant snake? No. He does not. Aw, damn. Uh, in this game, he does use magic, though. He makes a bunch of clones that just... Which makes more sense than Assassin's Creed 2, where you just have a punch-up with the Pope. <laughs> that is the final boss of Assassin's Creed. You just yes. have a boxing match with. Um, I think wow, something that made this game more than its sequels, and then definitely because of Assassin's Creed being its own original thing, uh, is that bringing back Jordan Mechner to work on this game after he, you know, considering he created the original Prince of Persia back in the day, was actually really a smart move. Uh, and he wrote a lot of the story. He worked on a lot of it, and uh, kind of the good things that came from it are because of what he did. Uh, and so there's not a lot for us to usually talk to talk today about the developer because it's, it's Ubisoft. And so I, I figured, you yeah, know, if we're gonna, you know, them time rabbits, it's gonna be on a creator. I'm gonna steal Mason's joke from before the podcast. You know, them rabbits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not a whole lot to talk about on it, but Jordan Mechner is interesting in that, like, he isn't really in the industry that much. He made four games. Wow. A couple of Prince of Persia's, a game called that I cannot remember what it was called, and then he worked on Sands of Time. Wow. He also is the only creator as far as this is according to Wikipedia, so if I'm incorrect, I apologize. The only creator that then would go on to actually write and executive produce the movie based on his work. As he did write and produ- he wrote the first draft and produced the Jake Gyllenhaal movie. <laughs> you said that with such pride. I like that movie. Tune in what to what the round two here, <laughs> uh, to hear us talk eventually about Prince of Persia. The where you'll where, where you'll get round two with another fight between Sean and. Okay, well let's let's put this one hundred percent into context. Sean has a valid reason for disliking the movie. It is kind of a butcher of this game. Mm-hmm. That being said, this was kind of my first complete exposure to Prince of Persia, and aside from the obvious whitewashing. I do think Jake Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. is a great choice. Oh yeah, my my my. To sum up quickly, my problem with the movie, it's called Sands of Time, 
and it doesn't follow the sands of time. If they had just called it Prince of Persia, legitimately, I probably would not throw as much hatred towards that movie as I do. Uh, so I, I, w- I would just like to pr- uh, correct you real quick. You said uh, something about how the creator was involved with the, mm-hmm. with the movie, right? Um, for the upcoming 2022 Super Mario Brothers movie, Miyamoto is credited as a producer. Okay, so that will that fact that I have said will change in a couple of months. <laughs> right, right. To date our podcast, like, for the fifth time. Just <laughs> dating our podcast, what? Well, you know. Like, we haven't done that many, many times before. Oh, many times. Boy, well, I can't wait for that Wolverine trailer at the Game Awards. <laughs> before we get to our last two questions of the podcast... Uh, I did want to just spend a little bit of time talking about this. I mentioned it earlier, but because um, we talked a lot about the story of this game, the thing that resonates with me, uh, especially for this, is that this game is built on a very strong theme, a th- theme of growth, a theme of, you know, going from a kid to an adult and making tough decisions. And they, they sprinkle that theme throughout the in- It's not just the ending. It is throughout the entire game where you are having to make decisions and different things and puzzles in different ways and it's setting this up for the ultimate decision of, you know, sacrificing everything. Uh, And and a lot of the dialogue is the prince throughout it really waffling with this idea of, can I do these sort of things? Uh, Especially, you know, even from the beginning when he's he's forced with killing his own father to save everybody. Right. And, you know, or kill his friends or, you know, kill people he knew. Uh, And so I think that theme is really important and I just really want to highlight it because that, I don't think the game works as well if they didn't integrate that theme so well throughout the game. Yeah, For a game that's generally like, like mm-hmm. it's not it's not Looney Tunes, but this is not like the darkest game in the series. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody go, goes did I just do that? Or, or nobody says, he's standing right behind me isn't he? The MCU implication. Whoa, that just happened. <laughs> Tune in for the sneak peek of Mason's review of Forspoken. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I know Sean's actually excited. To date the podcast, I, bur- I purchased that game today, and I'm so excited to play it. Anyway. Um, um, but I think the theme is really, really important uh, because, as, as you said there, Thomas, the tone of the game is not dark. It is a light tone while dealing with very dark things. I mean, again, it is a light tone game, mm-hmm. but there's straight up a bit of dialogue where the prince is in a mess hall where he just had to eat, kill a bunch of monsters. And he goes, a couple hours ago, these guys were laughing and chatting, just as any other day. And now I've had to kill them to free them from their misery. It's like, god damn. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is willing to take on difficult subjects, but not in a way where it either belittles them with just silly jokes or just goes off the deep end of nihilism and woe is me, woe is the world. Right. Nothing it, it, yeah, it does strike it, a nice it, balance. It doesn't become Thor: Love and Thunder, but it doesn't become the Warrior Within. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I just really wanted to highlight that because that is kind of the thing that for me makes this game, uh, and especially you know I wasn't a kid kid when I played this. I was sixteen. But, uh, you know, as a 16-year-old kid, you know, it's a good message and theme to deal with of, oh, yeah, you're growing up and you're going to have to make tough decisions, but, you know, still be yourself, you know, and learn and grow. And I, I kind of like that. First time I played this game, I was seven. Well, wow. I, was, it, I was 16 when it came out. Well, 15 when it came out. Well, so. I, 
I, I should say the first time I saw this game played, I was seven because I saw I watched my brother play it. In fact, I will be honest. Uh, I I don't think I completed this for a very long time. <laughs> the first game I completed uh, to show how good my parents were was when I was like fourteen. We talked about games with each other earlier, so it kind of explains that. Uh, not fourteen. I think I was actually very young. It was the M-rated Spartan Total Warrior. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, Mason, do you have anything else to, about it before we get to the questions? Nope, let's get to them questions. All right. All righty. On this podcast, we like to ask two major questions of every game that we play. The first of those, how does this game hold up? Better than, mo- than the, I think, better than a lot of games that we've played. Mm-hmm. Not really that great in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, it doesn't hold up nearly as much as Larry Boy and the Bad Apple, but this or, is a close second. Or Go Vacation. <laughs> I, I just I, saw I, the I'm life sorry, leave Sean's eyes. Has suddenly been removed from the podcast. <laughs> uh, and Thank you. It's been great. <laughs> uh, all of his, all of his, all, all of his lines are just edited. <laughs> In post, we've just gotten rid of Mason and all the, and all, I've gone through in all the old podcasts and just gotten rid of Mason. Just completely deleted the Go Vacation episode altogether. Who, who is Mason? Uh, uh, but in, in all seriousness, this is probably the game that's held the best out of all the ones we've done. Um, I don't know if I'd it, go it, that far, but it's up there for sure. I mean, it, it does have problems that, uh, it does have problems, but the problems that every game in the PS2 era has. Mm hmm. It's, it's very similar to what we said with SA2. Yeah. Mm. Again, like... Which would have been three years before. Camera issues. Yeah. Uh, that was with every platformer. Uh, again, I don't dig the combat, but Sean does. And again, they were just... That, and that's not that even necessarily less, a holdup. I was going to say, that was, that's not like a holdover mm-hmm. of the, the, the old time. time of games. It was just like... It was their experiment. They were trying to do something experimental with the combat. For some people, it worked. For some people, uh, the the Lincoln Park one worked. Better. <laughs> Further proof that you know this is the Michael. That was the Michael Bay of. <laughs> it, that, it, that really was Mason's comparison is making more and more sense <laughs> the more I think about it. I think the game holds up really well. Obviously, you know previous things like the camera. It's not. It's nowhere near the worst camera we played with, but it is. Uh, it, it's definitely got early 2000s issues. Uh, this, I honestly, we were talking about SA2. I think SA2 has the worst camera. I think so. I, I definitely think so. I mean, but I, Not like by a ton. But that's also because SA2 was a late 90s developed camera. So. Yeah. Yeah, so it it is not a completely fair comparison, but it's around the same time. I think the things that make it not hold up are just things that weren't noticed, at least for me, that weren't noticed back in the day. You know, you didn't worry about lock-on. Well, that's now a thing. So that game doesn't hold up as well because lock-on is just an important thing. You know, games did not have subtitles. I am an old man that needs subtitles. And so, like, that doesn't hold up well because I can't pick up the story as easily because I'm deaf and can't. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, like, these things that don't hold up, I think. Tell me more, Gramps. Exactly. Back in my day... (laughs) Or tell me more. I can't hear hearing, very well. Is this hearing a tune? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I've but those are the things that so is why it doesn't hold up necessarily perfectly for me. But otherwise, I really thought this game held up pretty well. There's some there are some 
perversing things that are a little annoying. I think uh, didn't mention this in gameplay, but definitely like certain central gameplay mechanics are more about trying to master things than actual like to get through. For example, bouncing back and forth on walls Ugh. is shouldn't be something that you have to actually like really spend time learning. It should be a much easier thing, and that is not as easy uh, initially as it should be. That made me angry. Having to do that made me physically angry. Because the, the thing is, you have to press X right before you press Exactly. And that timing is not always easy to hit. Exactly. Not and only that, you have to point the stick in the direction that you jump. No, you don't. Yeah, you, you do. You, you, no, don't you don't have don't. to move the stick at all. Uh, what? It's just the button. That's the how stick. it worked for me. The stick has nothing to do with Are it. Are you kidding me? It's all, no. it's all a button timing. Well, then. Mason's cool. Like, Mason's like... Fuck, I gotta get rid of a whole page of notes. I thought I figured this thing... I thought I had it all figured out. You didn't. And I got bamboozled. <laughs> Swindled. It's not even a word, and I agree with that. <laughs> uh, I will also say, we didn't bring this up with gameplay, but we can kind of bring it up here. Fuck the last 15 minutes. Yes, <laughs> and that goes with some of the, the, the difficulty spike of things, but also you don't have your sands of time, and they change the game mechanic at the end, and it hard because you've spent the entire game using these mechanics and you're suddenly not allowed to use them. And again, is that cool narratively? Yes, the prince has had this crutch for the whole game. He can't use it anymore. That is really damn cool narratively. Mm -hmm. That being said, it's a pain the ass game. In practice, it it just doesn't. Same thing with uh, I don't know if you guys had this, but for me, Farah using her bow and arrow would sometimes get me. Yes. (laughs) And again, that's cool story-wise, because she's never fired a bow and arrow in her life. So that makes sense. And gameplay-wise, I'm like, bitch, get a fucking skull! Stop it! <laughs> yeah. yeah. And again, this game is a story-based game, actually, more than you you realize until you play it. And so, like, there's things that are like, yeah, gameplay-wise, you're like, okay, um... That would not be developed today, because... It's annoying. Yeah. Is, is Farrah as annoying as the, uh, the president's daughter in Resident Evil 4? I like Ashley. I like Ashley. Like I mean, I mean, she does more than Ashley. She's probably mm-hmm. one of the best NPC escorts of all time because she's actually a very well-written character. And she does help you with certain things, you know, and things like yeah, right. yeah you get yeah. shot by bow and arrow, but she does help you with. Things. Yeah, that's fair. Plus, again, I like Ashley. So mm-hmm. wow. But uh, yeah, it, it's a game that has held up well in a way that I, I'm not gonna say that none of the games have because I think honestly weirdly, of the games that we've played that have held up the best, besides uh, uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, uh, that have held up the best are consistently been the platformers at times. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. We've played a that's lot fair. of platformers that held up this year. Yeah. Uh, again, I made the joke earlier, but Larry Boy is one of the ones Larry that Boy's held, held up really well. Like, yeah, yeah. I think, w- would we say that Looney Tunes back in action was the worst platformer? I mean, yeah, but even yeah. then, that's kind of a high and that's bar. Not, and that wasn't an that wasn't that wasn't a god awful game. It, it yeah. had problems with the platforming that annoyed me, but it wasn't like I played much worse. I was gonna say I I never got as angry with the I never got as angry with the Looney Tunes back in action as I did with the last fifteen minutes of Sans Time. <laughs> <laughs> Genu- Fair enough. Genuinely, the last fifteen minutes of Sans Time made they are very. It is frustrating. I but, mean, but that's also partially on me because I saved uh, before I healed. So every time I went back, I didn't have any health. I would have to fight this horde of enemies, which again goes on too goddamn long, because at the halfway point, every enemy encounter goes on too long in my opinion. And I would get my ass kicked because one hit and I'm dead. 
Yeah. So that's, that's uh, Thomas did the exact thing I did as a kid. So I know exactly what you're talking about. When I played this game the first time, I saved and yes. So I 100% know what you did wrong. And, and, and again, it's a frustrating thing, and it makes that game that last part harder than an already hard section. And again, that is partially on me, so I can't judge the game entirely for that. But I'm a podcaster, so I'm going to bitch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a game that's held up well, which leads perfectly into the next question because we can talk about something that is... Uh, not canceled, but probably not happening. Uh, <laughs> does this game deserve a remake or a remastering in a modern setting? So I, I was going to ask if they ever have. I think you kind of basically already answered that. They have. They obviously they remas- remastered it for the PS3. Mm-hmm. They put all the. Did they put all three or just? They put all three of them. All together. three. Uh, the whole trilogy was put on a uh, uh, PlayStation Three, which and which Xbox, is, I think. I believe it was on Xbox. That's how I played. So yeah, it, it was which, it was remastered once. It, and it was remastered. It was remastered, but not great because there were plenty maybe it was just my copy but there were plenty of times like the big emotional moment where Farah dies the entire cutscene was out of sync so yeah. I'm like oh so, well <laughs> it's not the greatest remastering it is just a straightforward just kind of like they ported it over <clears> instead <throat> of like <throat> good remasters are spend a little bit of time and make sure the graphics and update things on it uh, but yeah it's not a, it's not awful but yeah there are definitely some things like oh so that's uh hmm but it did, they did remaster it once, and in 2019, they announced a Prince of Persia Santa Time remake, a trailer, everything, uh, and I pre-ordered it. Oh. I still have it pre-ordered, and uh, it it's not then in late 2020, I think, or mid-2020, yeah. they're like, so, um, yeah, it's going to be delayed. Yikes. Uh, till when? It's going to be delayed. Delayed. Be delayed. And to, the, when is... Till how long is it going to be delayed? Yes. <laughs> the, uh, the reasoning that it sounds like it is is because like they've had to rework everything back from the ground up. Oh, that so, sucks. Again, it may you know I I've kind of resided to the fact that it may never come. I think they refunded three. They might they still have, def- but they I think still they gave the option to, and I was like, not yet. But, but they, still I still have hope. But they still didn't cancel. Mm-hmm. I th- and again, this is, they were remaking it in the same way that the Insane Trilogy and the Reignited Trilogy were remade. It's 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 a full remake, but it's not changing anything. It's just straight up updating the graphics, sort of thing. And see, I was I was actually about to say to answer the uh, the, the the actual question. That's what I think they should do: is take a, take a leaf out of the Crash Bandicoot and Spyro book, completely remake the first three games packaged together on one disc or one cartridge if you're making a Switch version. And if that sells adequately enough, that can then lead into another uh, Prince Persia game in the same style. Yeah, just a remake and just add lock-on and subtitles. And <laughs> I will be happy and uh, maybe give Thomas a little bit better combat. Make it all the warrior within combat. <laughs> Look, I'd be happy with that. No one else would be, probably. <laughs> But yeah, that's what I think they should do. Just take a leaf out of the out of the Spyro Crash play. In the Warrior Within, you can do a stripper dance with a sword out and cut people's heads off. <laughs> no way. They add Warrior Within combat and they add more weapons to it and things like that. Yeah. Which is what you, then they you, led into Two Thrones with your your different combat between, depending on which version of the prince you are. Combat, it, it, I, I think, Sands of Time and Warrior Within are better combat than Two Thrones, but none of the games have bad combat. No, I, I mean I'll be honest. 
I played the Wii version of Two Thrones. Baby. Wow. Oh, so, so let me correct it. There is a version that has bad guns. <laughs> Surprisingly, no waggle for the whip. Oh. Or, shit, did I even get to the whip? I, I might have not played that game much, to be honest. Yeah. By the time Two Thrones came out, I was kind of burned out on the franchise. Warrior Within really did a dent on it. Yikes. Uh, and, and again, it's kind of like, I like Sands of the movie and I don't hate Warrior Within because I came in with the knowledge of this. Mm-hmm. So that does that does change things. But yeah. Uh so it pretty pretty much if we do get a remake, it'll be because they actually do finish this game. But I would in the meantime would it wouldn't be opposed to a, you know, remaster or even just a simple, you know, throw it on the PlayStation stores or, you know, the the, the PS3 remasters on the uh, PlayStation store right now or the Xbox remasters on uh, Game Pass. So more people yeah. can kind of experience the game uh, easier would be great. I have had complaints, but this is still a fantastic game. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it had, I said, it had averaging nines. Like, this thing was huge. It won three or four game awards. Uh, it didn't, you know, Kotoar won something like 12 game awards, so KOTOR was like deemed the game of the year that year, but... Uh, well, KOTOR also, to this day, is considered one of the best RPGs of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little hard <laughs> to compare with. It is, you know, but it, it, it won more game awards than Vice City. That, oh, wow. It did. Vice City, I think, only won one or two. So. Wow. And as someone who doesn't like GTA, yeah, baby! <laughs> Vice City, though, I think Vice City won the, uh, or the yeah, the, that, that year won, uh, G4's Game Awards, I think, if I remember right. It was uh, the one that okay. I, I think I remember that. Huh. Yeah, that does make sense. That and that's why G4 doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> they made a mistake. <laughs> it um, all boils back to that. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a really good game. Uh, and I think audiences, if you have a PS2, PS3, Xbox, GameCube, uh, Wii, go ahead. Break out. Find a find a copy. If you, if you have a expensive, if, if you have a phone from two thousand and four, don't play that version. <laughs> yeah, don't play that version. Don't. I mean, again, if you really want to play the Game Boy Advance version, play the Game Boy Advance version. But play the other versions. Uh, this is a game that deserves to always be replayed. Uh, it is a fantastic game, uh, and and I'm I'm really glad that I was able to, that I picked it and uh, uh, I forced you guys to uh, experience it fully. Well, Thomas Foley Mason at least got a taste of it. Yeah, it was. It was. I'm glad you forced us to play this game. Actually, this is the opposite of the first game of the season. <laughs> that's true. To go from Phantom Menace to uh, Oh, that's right. Sand. That was that was your first one. Uh, where did all the time go? Keep in mind, Mason's first one was Go Vacation. Was it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because oh we, we went. We went. We went. Rise <laughs> of the Imperfects. Interlude. Oh yeah, Go, go, vacation, go vacation. And then Phantom yours. Menace. That's right. I remember that now. Why was oh, yeah. Marvel Nemesis? best of those first two. That is very sad. So hey, if you've been along for the ride here, thank you so much as we have uh, winding down season one here. This is our last episode of season one. We're going to take a little bit of a hiatus a couple of months, get a couple of things figured in line, and we'll be back with a whole other season of What the Bleep Are You Playing? So in that meantime, if you'd like to reach out to us, let us know what you think about this season, favorite episodes, uh, something you would like to see us watch in the future, or just a disagreement with anything that we have said in any of these episodes. There's you can. probably a lot. You can <laughs> just by emailing us at bleepyouplaying at gmail.com. That's bleepyouplaying at gmail.com. 
you can tell Thomas how angry how angry you are at him comparing a uh, warrior with them to to Shadow the Hedgehog. It's, that was you. No, that was you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, trying to pin the blame here. <laughs> thank you all for tuning in. We have uh, very much enjoyed doing this show, this and we're blast. excited for uh, more in the future. So we're gonna. Yep, there's definitely gonna be. So thank you guys very much, and we will catch you next time. Get good, you slut.